everyone, welcome back. Another brand new episode here of What's Good. Today we're talking soccer. We're joined by a member of the Houston Dash, Shay Groom. Shay, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, Shay, so coming off of a, a weird year in sports, but a great one for you and the Dash, I feel like the NWSL got this chance to kind of shine during the pandemic in that it was one of the first to kind of get back to it. You go to this bubble, you do the whole Utah thing. Just tell us how that experience went. And then, of course, it ends in a in a great championship. Yeah, it was an incredible experience. First and foremost, obviously a huge um, clap to the NWSL and Lisa Beard and being able to be the first sport back. And, you know, I think it just gave us an incredible opportunity to have that exposure before any other sports leagues were able to do it, but they did it right. And um, I think we felt very safe and taken care of. And, um, you know, as hard as it was being in that bubble environment, you know, I think our team had one goal the whole time, and that was to be there till the end. And um, it was obviously an incredible experience to win it all and something that, again, we, we set out to do, but, um, you know, didn't weren't sure if it was going to happen. I mean, we had so many new players on our team and, you know, we had gotten so little time together in the preseason. Mm-hmm. So um, it was it was am- amazing how it all came together and how everyone just fought in and ultimately how we won a championship. And, and that was a challenge cup. It's a little bit different than what a normal season would have looked like, but still a heck of an accomplishment for you and the team. And I wonder, the pandemic obviously is still going. There would be a lot of sports stoppages that are, for some sports, still still going on, especially at the collegiate level. But to be back to it a couple of months later after everything was shut down, was it was it almost a surreal experience? I mean, how do you describe when you're when you're able to celebrate and win something where for a while, there's probably uncertainty of if you'll get to play again anytime soon. Yeah, it, it was interesting because, you know, we go from seeing each other every single day, having this huge, exciting celebration to, you know, you're kind of off by yourself again in isolation. So I think the off season was, was hard for many people in, in some ways, but I think for our team, made us even hungrier. I mean, only 11 games and mm-hmm. we through the fall series still in stride and just continuing to build off that championship so I think it left us feeling eager and hungry and um, I think hopefully you'll see that in this next season um, with the Houston Dash back together again. Just talking to a lot of athletes over the last 12 months some kind of compared having to, to kind of be forced away from their sport a little bit like an injury or if they never had an injury what they think it might be like when there was uncertainty about what you're able to do getting back to soccer, was that an experience you'd ever felt before? Was there anything you could kind of compare it to? Yeah, I've, I've been through a number of injuries, foot surgeries to be my, um, my issue personally. But, um, you know, I think it really shows who you are as an athlete and as a competitor, are you able and willing to stay disciplined when there is uncertainty, when you don't know, what's going to happen next, or obviously in case of an injury, how you're going to come back from it. So I think it's, it's a really testing period and a trying time, but um, I think for our group really showed our character and our identity as a team. And, um, you know, with something positive, even though it was hard, I think you can all learn something from it. And, um, you know, again, like learn how to take care of yourself when times are uncertain. No one could have predicted that. So you come off of this opportunity, obviously you play very well, you know, 
the team's already ahead. You kind of score the last goal in that in that Challenge Cup final MVP honors. You had the opportunity to win a championship in your first year in the league. Certainly, your your usage rate was different probably as a rookie than than in this last season. But any other comparisons for how these two things compared? Yeah, I mean that that first year was incredible to be on a team that was absolutely loaded, and um, it was actually an Olympic year, so I had a lot of opportunities and then broke my foot. Um, Know, right before those players came back so it was unfortunate but you know still was able to get the team to the playoffs and obviously ultimately won that championship but um you know i've kind of been traded around the league and finally found a home here in houston as well as a lot of other players so um you know it's been an incredible journey so far and you know something that's had definitely its time of adversity and uh trying times but know I wouldn't be the player that I am today I wouldn't have worked I think as hard as I've had to work just continuing to prove people wrong and still stay relevant in this league so I've enjoyed the journey and obviously have loved my new chapter in Houston and just ready to keep building on what I already think you know we have yeah, and you and you hit on moving around to different teams, right? Starting in Kansas City and then and then making a few other stops. What what have you learned now as you've moved to team to team and obviously it sounds like you you enjoy being in Houston you want to you want to build out an opportunity there and continue but after the first time or the second time did you kind of develop a checklist of like okay when I when I get on a new team this is what I need to do personally to make sure that I feel good about this and I'm successful yeah I mean I think one of the unique things you learn from playing on different teams is you have to adapt and you have to do it quickly um it's learning coaching styles it's learning obviously how different teams are going to play tactically um, and just obviously how a team dynamic works. So I think it's given me a lot more tools in my toolkit and allowed me to obviously make a lot of friends as well and to get to play with some of the best players in the world. And um, my college coach long ago, Phil Stevenson, told me, you know, be a thief, steal things from whoever you can steal them from. And so to be able to play with some of the greats, it's just Kind of been like a puzzle for me you know stealing different little pieces from each of these players and and also figuring out and really understanding what makes me special and i think that's what a lot of people saw in houston um you know i've always been known as an athletic player in this league and somebody that can score but i think you saw a consistency and some real themes to my play um in terms of dribbling the ball obviously being um deadly in the air and things like that. So um, I think there's just so much that has benefited me from my journey. And, you know, as hard as it has been to move every single year almost, um, I've, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world with where I'm at now mentally and, and physically. Athletes talk about that often that being around other great players or, or being around players that even they feel like maybe are better than they are brings them to another level you were talking about kind of stealing things in a fun way from other people how has that process worked for you how did being around certain players tangibly make you better where maybe you get to the next year and you can kind of associate your time with person x y or z and improving your game yeah i mean i could rattle off a ton i mean it started off with um lauren holiday she definitely took me under my under her wing she was like my idol growing up so it came full circle when I was her teammate and she just taught me kind of how to be a competitor and just watching her on the field and the poise that she had but her competitive mentality I mean other people on that team I watched clips of A-Rod when she was out 
and I had to step in at the nine and had still, I think, my best um, season in terms of goals um, that year. And then, you know, watching Heather O'Reilly and playing with her, I mean, the most competitive person I've ever played with, hands down. Um, and then moving teams, I mean, watching and playing alongside Carly Lloyd, I mean, she's ruthless when it comes to training, discipline, you know, doing what she has to do um, and being a, just a true professional. And then I would say, at, you know, even Seattle, like Jess Fishlock and um, just her creativity on the ball and the way that, you know, she plays in the midfield was obviously something that I used as I transitioned into a midfield position here in Houston and Bev Yanez as well. She's um, an incredible competitor and just seeing the, the people that just do it every day. Uh, one more name, Yalabush. Seeing like technically I learned how to be a professional because I was like, okay, I'll just get with the wall every day and make sure that my touch is absolutely flawless. And so it's just being in an environment with these girls and, and knowing, okay, there is more that you can do. And obviously that goes for coaches as well, obviously with Blanco and now James, it's just, you keep learning and, and keep being a student of the game and, and knowing that you're not finished and not satisfied with where you're at. And that's been a joy of, of my journey is just um, coming across incredible people that push me farther than I could have ever imagined. Do you feel like there's a part of you that's able to do that now for a younger player? And how do you do it? Yeah, definitely. I definitely feel an obligation to, to the next generation. And as new players come in, you know, just being, being a voice, being um, somebody that communicates, uh, you know, what our game plan is, somebody, you know, that can just be open and approachable so that they can ask questions and, and learn. And, and I just hope to be that because it's been so, so influential for my career and that's how I want to leave my mark as well. I, I love how you explain that and kind of all these little pieces you got from people. I'm, you know, I'm curious if we could kind of roll it back to before pro, before Texas A&M, you know, maybe coming up high school when you're starting to get to that higher level of soccer. When is there a moment that you can think back on that you started to realize that this was a thing, obviously you enjoyed doing, but also one that you were pretty good at? Yeah, my, you know, my parents left me in a lot of sports. So I played through sports in high school. I absolutely loved just the different, I played basketball and I ran track as well. And I loved just going back to back to back, doing different things. Um, but soccer was always my escape. It was always the place that I felt like I could express myself to my full potential. And, um, you know, I, I never stopped to think, oh, like I'm, I'm actually good at this or, you know, I was just yeah. kept getting, like invited to things that were good, but, um, you know, I was in the youth national team system as well. And, and, but I never grew up like thinking, you know, I'm going to be a pro. I wasn't, you know, there was no professional team in Kansas city. I didn't really know. I didn't have access, you know, internet or things like that to, to really follow it um, for the women at the women's stage at the women's level. So I didn't really grow up wanting to be a professional athlete. It wasn't even until my, junior year of college when the NWSL was announced in 2013 that I was like I want to be a pro like I know I can play at the next level um and so I was like told my academic advisor I got to finish early he was like that's not happening I was like I want to get happen <laughs> I, I want to go do this so you know I think that was the moment I decided I wanted to be a pro but um definitely just chased it and and really in such a cheesy way had fun just in those early stages.
So it certainly doesn't sound like you lack for confidence in your in your abilities, which 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 is great, and I'm sure very helpful as you're trying to achieve these very difficult goals. But there has to be something you you, you talk about wanting to pursue a pro career, right? You find out that this league is going to launch, so you're at A and M. You're already playing a high level of soccer, but how do you get from? I guess what I'm getting at right is like the point A to point B, right? So you're so you're at A and M. You're playing high level. What makes you know that? saying to yourself, I want to be a pro is not a crazy idea. I, I don't know. I, I think it's probably the people I surrounded myself with. Um, I felt like I hit a point in college where I, you know, had done well my freshman and sophomore year. I was always, you know, picked for whatever team um, and things like that. And then that junior and senior year, I kind of took more of a leadership role. I fell in love with the game, I think, in a way that I hadn't before. You know, I think soccer was a little slow to develop in the Midwest. Like, I didn't grow up juggling and, like, doing a bunch of technical work. So, you know, it was like, she's the fast girl, kick it long. (laughs) So I really, like, fell in love with the game at at that point. And then from there, I think, yeah, it was just the people around me that was like, you're special and you can take this to another level if you want to. And, And at that point, I was... Yeah, I wanted I wanted to win a national championship. We made it to the final four, obviously, for the first time in AM history, my senior year. And I just felt like I wasn't done. Um, and I wanted a new challenge. And I knew that, you know, I could go in somewhere and I could learn and be open and be humble and not, you know, be devastated if I wasn't starting um right away, but that I knew I had the potential to to keep going in this in this field. And you mentioned AM. We'll just plug your stats there a little bit. 45 goals, 25 assists. So so you knew what you were doing out there for the Aggies, to put it mildly. High school, you're, as you say, getting invited to these things. So people are kind of letting you know one way or another that you're at a certain level of talent. As you make that transition from uh, high school to college, what what's a big separator? There's a lot of people that play soccer at the high school level. They even play club. They spend a lot of time traveling all over their area to play but only a certain amount get to that division one level. So for you was there, and even though you're excelling as a freshman, it, is, is there a thing or things where you're like, oh, this is, this is different. This is this level as opposed to where I was. Yeah. I think, you know, and talking to college coaches as well and starting to understand, you know, what they really look for when they're recruiting girls. Obviously I was blessed with just pure athleticism. And so I think people saw a lot of potential with that, but I would say character, um, you know, a lot, a talent only takes you so far. And I think that character is the, the separator and in, in what you're willing to do in, in terms of discipline accountability and just being part of a team. So I definitely think that was a big separator. And then obviously on the field, the, the technical piece and the ability to play at a faster speed you know, you you come from your youth team and a lot of these girls that are playing division one are used to being, you know, the stars. They didn't maybe really have to work as hard, um, you know, individually or off the field. They just showed up to practice and, you know, they were the best. So you get to college and it's just, it just keeps decreasing like, okay, well, all of these players were the best of their team. So um, I think it's just your willingness to continue to develop and to figure out and wonder, um, and evaluate yourself constantly to know what those little things are that are going to separate you from the next level and the next level. Texas A&M, a place that people know well for sports. How would you describe 
the fan base there, the passion around that community for the sports? Oh, I mean, it's so rich in tradition. And I mean, when you think of diehard fans, I think of Aggie fans and, and not just for sports. I mean, if you're an Aggie, you're an Aggie for life and it will, I mean, I see people and if they know like job connection, things like that, the Aggie network is just insane. I mean, I wear my Aggie ring all the time. Like if I take it off, it's just weird. So um, it's definitely an incredible family to be a part of and something that, you know, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I did not grow up wanting to be an Aggie. I had no idea what Texas A&M was, but when I got there, stepped on campus, heard the band play at the football game, it was like, I'm sold. I want to be a part of this. <laughs> I, I don't know if you, if this bothers you or not, but if you Google Shea Groom, one of the first things that pops up is you slamming a giant beer with that ring after your championship. So well done by you. And that's uh, an Aggie tradition that I was reading. You didn't really get a chance to do as a student, but you had your moment. I did have my moment and yeah, I cannot believe it all came together, but it seemed like the perfect moment. And uh, now I can call myself a real Aggie. There you go. There you go. You're, you're drafted a uh, fairly high out of college. What's that moment like to understand uh, that not only this dream is going to become a reality, but you don't have to necessarily claw your way into the league. They very much want you to be there. Yeah. I mean, it was credible. Our draft <laughs> class was, insane i mean all of the girls that um are still playing you know i would probably what six or seven are on the national team and um so it was a really good uh class and i was yeah <laughs> floored to be able to go back to kansas city obviously my hometown and reunite with you know at the time blacko who had you know known me since i was nine and then hugh williams who was assistant coach at the time also the gm and uh he was actually my youth coach from nine till I was 18. So um, it was it was incredible. I knew I was gonna be able to play in front of my family and you know some of my family would never see me play soccer. So uh, it was a surreal moment and um, just an exciting, exciting one. You know, I didn't really care if I was getting paid thousands of dollars to play soccer. It was just, you know, I get to call this my job and I get to do it in front of the people that I love and for the city that I grew up in. It has to be such an amazing experience. And I'm just thinking about that two or three year window there, right? You're describing ending at A&M and you know you want to become pro. So you get the academics in order. The team has a great run. You go final four. Then you get drafted. You go home. Uh, it's stuff you'd write down in like a diary somewhere as like an eight-year-old, right? Of things you would hope would happen. And then to live it, I have to think, is a bit surreal. Yeah, definitely. I feel... <clears throat> You know, I've had these monumental moments as I'm like changing chapters, even if I go back to high school, like I scored the buzzer, <laughs> buzzer beater with one second left in the state championship. And then it's like, I get to start my freshman career at A&M. And then we go to the final four, obviously, you know, coming up short of that ultimate goal, but then going on to win a championship your first year in the NBSL. So I, you know, I've been blessed to be on incredible teams that know how to win championships and, you know, has essentially taught me what it takes to win and to be part of a winning team and, and what makes the difference. So um, I've just been so thankful to be a part of those teams and to be a part of those moments that I'll get, get to look back on for a lifetime. You've, you've had some time with the national team program around that same time period as well. Just tell me about that experience. And is that, is that something that you're, you're actively trying to return to, or what does that process look like for you? The national team is obviously the top of the top and the it's an incredible experience obviously every time you get to go there um it's ruthless and um it's hard to break into and 
you know, takes a lot of consistency and, you know, sometimes timing and things like that. But um, I think, you know, for me, it's always been a dream to represent my country. And, um, you know, I think I'm closer than um, I was, you know, at the beginning of my career. And uh, if I just continue to play consistently and, you know, win more championships for my team, you know, that's my focus. I think people get stuck on the destination often and I'm more of let's focus on the process and the steps to get there. And, and if that happens, then great. But um, I think I'll have peace if I've given all to the process um, along the way. You were referencing kind of your toolbox and things you've assembled. Is there, I know, as you're around that level, you're watching on TV, you know, World Cup, Olympics, whatever it might be. Is there a thing you think about yourself like, okay, if I could do X, Y, and Z, or I, or I shore up this or that, that will make the difference? Or, or is it something more just kind of the universe takes hold on these things and it's your time and it's your time? No, I think the unique thing about the United States that people just don't understand is that, you know, they only get to pick 20, I mean, for the yeah. 18 players. So essentially even from this She Believes roster, there'll be a ton of good players. I mean, people couldn't, probably that just became fans would never imagine that Crystal Dunn did not make a world cup roster in 2015. So you have an incredible pool of players and yeah, I think it is sometimes about timing and what the team needs. And, you know, if there's retirements and things like that um, it, in that's in that sense, but I think, you know, for me, I've, I've really pinpointed what my, what makes me different and what makes me dangerous and what I can do that no one else can do. And um, I think there will be a time that I get to showcase that and, you know, get to be in that environment and really compete for a position. Talking with Shay Groom here, professional soccer player. What, what else is on the, you, you talked obviously national team, but what else is on the bucket list for you? If you look, you've looked down the road when it comes to, to being a, an athlete on the soccer side. And then, you know, if there's stuff after coaching, that sort of thing. I, I really want to win an end shield. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get a lot of love, but yeah. you know, North Carolina has won so many now that I'm like, I just, to be consistent throughout the whole season, um, you know, I think that that would be definitely on the bucket list and, you know, obviously to win it all um, in the playoffs as well, you know, I'm, I'm never gonna not want to win a championship. So uh, definitely that. And, and then I think just, you know, kind of like we talked about earlier, just being a player that as long as I'm in this league is developing those younger players and leaving this league better than um, when I came in it. So um, that's always been something special to me and something that I feel obligated to do is just leave my mark and, you know, not in a legendary way, but just to continue to fight and, you know, work with the PA and, um, you know, and, on that front and just to continue to develop women's soccer and give it the exposure that it needs. You started with the dash, as we were saying last year, but kind of a weird circumstance, you go to this bubble. So you're not really having that home home team vibe with fans and everything. That said, what's what's been the response from kind of the Houston community to this team and, and to you joining the squad? I think they love it. I mean, so there's Aggies obviously in Texas. Sure. So um, I've got a little uh, advantage there. But uh, Houston was always, I think, a special place where I was always received pretty well. So um, I think a lot of the fans have latched on and been excited. My dad grew up in Texas, so I have a little bit of family here. And, you know, again, college station just down the road. But even in the fall series when we had just a few fans back, I mean, they were so excited. And then obviously during the pandemic, we 
got to have a celebration parade where cars drove through and waved. And that was just an incredible experience that I thought, you know, we walked out there and we're like, there's probably 10 cars, <laughs> like 300, 400 cars. Oh, wow. And it's like, these people showed up. So I'm, I'm just excited for the exposure that we've gotten through the challenge cup, even though it was, was 2020 and people, you know, didn't know what that would look like for sports, but I think our league did an incredible job and, you know, made, made what they could of it. So um, I'm excited for 2021 and excited for just our fan base to continue to grow and for us to do it alongside the Dynamo as well. You know, we've built this new brand that, you know, is one club and two since club. So I'm just hoping to see, you know, fans be a club of both or a fans of both the Dynamo and the Dash. And, you know, we're talking Texas, it's not that long ago, just severe, crazy weather in the area. How's, how's that gone for you? And how's the area kind of coming, coming back from that? Yeah, it was, again, we had to take another pause. It was like six days because, you know, we don't have water or power at our training facilities. So a lot of us were without water, um, some of the girls without power, but, um, you know, as James always says, like we try to be as flexible and adaptable as possible and turn any situation, you know, that might be difficult into a positive one. And so we were able to create a relief fund and uh, we raised over $30,000 in just a couple of days. Awesome. Um, yeah, well, that's one thing that, you know, as much as I've been a part of other teams, this club values its community and, you know, we love Houston. And so just to be able to give back and to help relief a lot of families that were tragically affected by the storms um, was just some, something little that I could do with my platform. You, you were touching on it a bit, but just kind of the expanding opportunities for, for women's sports and obviously the NWSL, a big showcase for women's soccer. But oftentimes I think high-level female athletes, whether they want it or not, right, they become this kind of spokesperson for advocating more opportunities for women's soccer or women's sports in, in any area. Is that something that you kind of embrace? And if so, why? Yeah, I mean, I think it's incredible, obviously, to see like Serena and Osaka, you know, be owners in this league and yeah. not be owners like they're wearing our jerseys and, their, and our kits at, at their like the most massive tournament ever. So it's it's that kind of commitment that we need to grow this league and i think the next step is like the media buying in and obviously sponsorships buying in because you know i do think that we have a really unique product and i think serena said it in one of her interviews you know women's soccer is exciting to watch and i believe that thoroughly just as much as it is for men's soccer so um and anybody i think that watched the challenge cup you know again maybe it was because it was a pandemic but you know i've had so many people say your joy, the joy of your team radiated off of the TV and like what you guys embraced, like as an identity, um, came, like came through the TV. So, and that's what, you know, we wanted to do. So, yeah, I think I definitely just embrace, you know, women empowering women and just continuing to push this league forward and giving it again, giving it the exposure that it needs. Just a few more questions here as we're talking with with Shay Groom. I love to kind of ask athletes a little bit of kind of the the mechanics, like the mental checklist they go through. Um, when you're talking about a goal scoring opportunity for your team, and you know you're involved in it, is there is there a favorite sort of opportunity that you enjoy? You know, something set up, a corner, something that you gravitate to, where you're like, "This is my wheelhouse." Hang the ball up in the air, <laughs> and then you go get it. And then I'll go get it. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, one of my favorite moments, obviously, in the Challenge Cup was the Air Groom header. Um, <laughs> Rachel Daly, it's just, I don't know, I've, again, blessed with incredible genes to jump high, but um, uh, yeah, just hang the ball up in the air and, and let me head it down. It's got to be and one of the best feelings. So maybe that that play or any of the other successful headers that you've had, what what's kind of your your mental checklist as you're approaching your time to shine in this situation. I mean, obviously you're waiting for the kick to come in in certain instances, right? Or the, or the pass, everyone want to phrase it, but what's, what's, what's running through your mind as you try and make the play happen. And, and I'll caveat this with that. Some athletes have answered that nothing because they're just responding in the moment, but is there something that kind of goes through your head? I think in that particular play, no, I think yeah. it's, instinct because that's if that's your wheelhouse then you're it's just going to happen the way that it happens and heading has always kind of been that for me um but you know definitely I think if there's anything that goes through my head when I'm in the box it's get there and just be committed like score goal so um yeah all right simple easy uh I love that you mentioned Eric Groom because I was thinking about this I don't know if anyone's brought this up to you before but Shea Groom is just a good name. It's a, it's like a memorable name. Does that, has that been, been referenced to you before? Like people, I would assume don't forget the name Shea Groom. You know, it's funny that you say that I hadn't. And then I actually did an internship with Budweiser in our off season as part of the sponsorship with the NWSL. Um, they did a program and, you know, we studied at Columbia for a couple of weeks and, one of the professors was telling us, you know, it's, you know, some of these great athletes have like these names, like Usain Bolt or mm-hmm. Sir Williams, um, just names you don't forget. And he was like, looking around, he's like, you know what, the only, I mean, Shake Room, that's a name. <laughs> so right then I was like, hey, maybe my name does sound like. It but, does, yeah. I like air, air, I mean, I was just trying to think of like play on words. Like I, I imagine maybe people have like headline writers have used like Shay Hay or something like that, like in the past, like, plays off your names or, you know, either first or last, I feel like carry more than, you know, Jones Smith or something. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. I think like high school, they use like Zoom, Zoom, Groom. And um, I used to be, I was two for most of my career. So a lot of people would say touche, like all the time. So. Oh, but there you go. Perfect. Oh. I, I know I, I was thinking as a, as a uh, New York City area native, it's unfortunate they tore the stadium down, but you never get a chance to play at Shea Stadium. Growing up, I told my mom, I was like, I'm going to get proposed to in Shea Stadium. <laughs> I, I told everyone, I was like, I, yeah, I was named after Shea Stadium. Like, I acted like a Mets fan. I'm, I'm totally a Royals fan. But growing up, I, like, thought that they named the stadium after me. But yeah, heartbroken when they changed it. It's also fascinating because uh, women have a very, at least in my experience, a very one feeling or the other on baseball stadium proposals. But it seems like you're in the camp that's cool with it. I mean, no, I don't think about it was a baseball player, but yeah. like, I don't know. But like I, being like being the jumbotron and like they pan to you in the seats and it happens in front of everybody. Is that something you're okay with or not? I mean, if it was at Shea Stadium. Well, yeah, then. I yeah. mean, that's special. And I, yeah. I would consider it at Kaufman, but like probably, like probably not. I'm more yeah. of a cheap girl. So fair on. enough. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and if, if it's any consolation, many Mets fans, even though it's been City Field since 2009, still kind of call it Shea, but I know it's not the same thing. So um, at, at least in your home, I think you should have like a, like a painting or a lithograph of Shea Stadium in the background somewhere. Yeah, just just a, just a thought. Um, 
Well, we wind down uh, these with uh, three kind of fun, fun questions to close things out. Having a great convo here with Shay Groom for our three what's good questions. So I'll start first, Shay. What's what's something you've done for yourself lately? Actually, this is as of recent, but I bought myself a bike. Okay. It was something that I had wanted to do for years, but I bought myself my dream bike. It's like a matte black um, cruiser, one speed, no, no gears, nothing. Super simple and um, yeah, that's been one of my just kind of self-care things and just going for a little bike ride. I, I have an eight-year-old dog and uh, he runs right next to the bike. So definitely something that's brought me joy and in, in a time where you don't get to do much else. Yeah, it's true. It's good. It's important to kind of, you know, if you can try and get a little something just for you. So, so good, good call there on the bike. What's something that you've done for someone else recently? I think I've made it a point, obviously you have so much time in your day and we realized that once the pandemic hit, it's like, okay, you know, I have five minutes of my day that I can give up. Um, and so for me, it's been being a better communicator and FaceTiming the people that, you know, don't live with me. I think in this lifestyle, you get so used to, okay, sorry, I'm always on the run. And, you know, people might think you don't have time for them. So I think one way that I've showed, you know, people that I love them is just to cut out that time to FaceTime and, and really ask people how they're doing. And uh, what's something that you kind of turn to if you want to unplug from soccer and everything else that really makes you laugh? Uh, it's, it's a toss up. I am a newly um, new owner of a Switch, a Nintendo Switch. So I uh, definitely am learning the gaming world. I'm not like a gamer by trade. So, um, but other than that, I spend time with my dog and he is hysterical. So um, honestly, I could just like stare at him for hours and he would do something. <laughs> Uh, and one bonus question, because I'll, I'll ask her to listen to this, listen to this. I have a high school niece who is a soccer player and three tips you'd give to her or anyone else. She plays club, she plays high school to try and get to that next level. Are there like three basics that ev that everyone could work on? I would say passing a ball against the wall, like as much as you can, um, just to the point where you feel like so comfortable like not even looking type of thing and you know i do it to music i'm still professional and i do it always do the basics um i think learn how to be com as competitive as possible um put yourself in competitive situations even if it's like ping pong against your uncle or like <laughs> um and then i would say just continue to develop that character and those leadership skills. So, you know, if there's an opportunity to be a leader in a group project or, um, you know, even answering a question in, in class, you know, I think that's what makes the greats great and what gets you to the next level. Awesome. Shay Grimm, so good to talk with you and uh, best of luck this year with the Dash. We're looking forward to it. Thanks so much.